Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. Very excited about today. And today truly could not be possible without Hubbard uh, Radio and their support. We'll get into how in just a minute, but it involves a bathroom and <laughs> pictures in the bathroom. But uh, as always, we're we're super grateful for Hubbard's support. Um, and again, today would not be possible without uh, a weird coincidence and seeing somebody's picture hanging in the bathroom and saying, I know that guy. He should be on the podcast. <laughs> so without further ado, sitting across from me is um, Clint Lowry, the lead guitarist of Seven Dust. Welcome. Oh, man, this is great. Um, first off, thank you so much for allowing me to be here and, and just the good energy you guys got right off the rip. And yeah, the bathroom thing is like, it, 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 it was like, if that's my pathway in here, that's great. But it's just interesting that the 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 plaque we have and the, the, all, the, all the wall space we have in this huge new facility. Yeah, it's, we and get it's a bathroom. beautiful facility, a lot of empty walls, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they put you in the bathroom. Yeah, you know what? But it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we started from the bottom and now we're here. So That's nah, it. That's it. And so Clay Jenkins, who was a previous guest on the Next Step episode, yeah. he was uh, using the facilities. Yeah. And he comes out of the bathroom and he goes, I, you're not going to believe this, but my son-in-law is hanging up in there. And yeah. brought us all in to oh, look. Yeah. That's totally so we're all, Yep, we're all standing in the bathroom. He was so proud. <laughs> he was so proud. And he goes, I just had a great idea. I think he should be on your podcast. Yeah. And I said... Uh, let's make it happen, Clay. And he did, and you said yes. Of course. So thank yeah, you yeah. very much. Yeah, and my hats off to what you got. What you're doing here is just fantastic, and just I can't even tell you how much I needed this personally in my life right now. So anytime I have an opportunity to talk about this or anything related to the subject, it's I'm all about it. I'll get emotional even right now, like off the beginning, because <laughs> it, it is it's something I really needed at the at this point. And, you know, the holidays, everything gets yeah, a little crazy, uh, you know. So yes, yeah, this is a good way to reset. Awesome, awesome. So just I'm gonna kind of just for those people who maybe do not know who you are, I'm just gonna kind of lay a couple of things out there. So you have been in music for a long time. Yeah. You're from Atlanta originally. Yeah. Right. And you've played, I mean, you've been a member of Seven Dust, but you've been in some big names. You've played with Korn, you've played with Seether, you've played with probably a gajillion others. And you're kind of, you're kind of a big deal. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think I've, I've kind of faked my way through a lot of things. Okay. But, but uh, no, I mean, honestly, um, there's been opportunities and, and, the, and there have been a lot of things. I, I'm originally from North Carolina. I'm a country <gasps> no boy. No way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I moved, I migrated to Atlanta where there was obviously a better music scene. And, sure. And then I uh, found a band there that, that kind of got me into seven dust and it just kind of went on from there. But I've, I've, I've completely, my entire life I've been, I had a lot of opportunities that I deep down, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel worthy of, but I kept going and kept pushing through it. And, uh, yeah, I'm always the, the underdog mentality, you know? So any of the things I have, I'm, I'm thankful for it. At Prevented, we always say that we root for the underdog and you kind of, you have to be, if you're in this business, yeah. right? Because, Substance use disorder is really sad and it's insidious and it 
when you feel like you're winning, sometimes it sneaks up and bites you in the butt, right? Yeah. And you have to inevitably, like, intrinsically, you have to root for that person that you know can succeed if they just of course, if they yeah. just have a little bit fill in the blank, right? Whether yeah. that's self-confidence, support, confidence, whether that's a job, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And so we're we're a little scrappy too, and so I I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think it, it boils down maybe we'll get into it a little bit, but just that that defect that I've always had, the lesser than, I, I'm not, I'm not worthy of this. The, you know, the, these things that were kind of uh, imprinted on me at an early age, and that, and it still carries with me, and it's, it's still active in my mindset. Mm-hmm. I just have different tools to kind of process it and get through it, and 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 do allow myself joy, and do allow myself a little success, or you know, and then obviously the failures. I'm very comfortable when I feel failure because. That was just something I liked to brew in when I was a young man, and uh, and still to this day I just like un- uncomfortable things. Just I'm like this is home, <laughs> you know. So I yeah. have to kind of allow myself to be happy and allow myself to have the positives in my life as well. Well, so I think that's why you were lighting up when earlier we were talking about the things we do for younger kids. I love right? that. where we talk about setting goals and managing uncomfortable feelings because. They're not good or bad, right? They're just yeah. uncomfortable and they come. So how can you sit with them and how can you use them, you know, to propel forward? And you, your face really lit up when I talked about that we teach first graders how to accept a compliment. Oh, I love that. More than just like cool shoes, right? Yeah. Like really like you're a good speller or you were very kind to me when I tripped and fell on the playground or, yeah. you know, you're very funny, or you've got great dimples. Yeah. So were you always into guitar? Like, was that a talent that you had? Or did that become kind of a way for you to kind of escape? Or oh, how, yeah. how did you turn to, to music? Well, my mo- mother and father were musicians. Huh. You know, so my dad was a musician. Uh, he was my hero. My mom was a musician. And she kind of took a backseat, you know, you know, put her career on hold. Uh, to take care of the, the kids. It. So she had my older brother and myself and my younger brother. And so she, my father and, and, and mother were divorced when I was eight years old, but they were both musicians. So it was around the house. That was our culture. Um, of course, they didn't want me to pursue it. And then when they right. realized that I was going to pursue it, they supported it and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was always, the music thing was there. And you mentioned Escape. Mm. Um, when I re- What I really fell in love with music the, the emotional connection I had with it was the escape. I had a lot of, I didn't really fit in a lot of the circles in school and it was very, you know, school can be a cruel playground, it, you know, and school uh, is brutal. It's brutal. And now looking at my specific school situation was rough, uh, rougher than most. So that was, and I was a musician and kind of awkward kid. So I didn't fit into those clicks. So music was the escape. Um, all the emotions I had a volatile childhood in a lot of regard. So the music was an absolute, just let me disconnect from that. And let me just lose myself in these, these sonics and these, this aggression and these different, whatever the music was pulling up in me emotionally. It was, it was, I would completely forget about things for a while. And that was, I was, it was a love affair right from the Mm -hmm. beginning, Mm -hmm. not to mention the, the parents, them doing it. My dad was my idol. I loved him. Uh, he was a fantastic musician, 
So yeah, it was a connection right off the the bat. And did you find camaraderie in music? I did. Like I always, I'm thinking about myself in high school. You know, I I wasn't. I was a nerd. I, I'm sure that's shocking to you, but um, I was I was a nerd. But the one thing that I would would go to would be live shows. Yeah. And ska was really big when here when I was in high school. So go to shows, and I just you could get lost in it, but also look around and realize that there were people that were like as weird as you. Oh, absolutely. Who like would geek out on the same things you would. It's huge, yeah. You know, you found yeah. your people, your circle and exactly. your like minded uh yeah, community. And uh I loved it. There's always a rebellious with rock music. Oh, sure. You always find the other ones like you feel the same way yeah. I do. <laughs> like wrong yeah, 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 right, yeah. exactly. But, you know, and I was into a lot of metal and like I, I was into everything. Um but yeah, it was, and, and I, I latched on to a bunch of older musicians because I excelled at music because it was always around. I, I found a, a few older musicians, and they they took me on, and they awesome. allowed me to play with them, and I just felt very I belonged to a, you know a group of people that understood me, and that was a beautiful feeling with the insecurities I had. Yeah, that's not yeah that stage of my life. So, <clears throat> I feel very awkward in my own skin I think most people do I think that's like the secret to being a Mm grown-up is that that grown-ups still feel very awkward and very uncomfortable and you can be a cool rock star and still feel like you're 15 years old with pimples on your face and girls don't like you you know what I mean like so do do you, have you, like, ever grown out of that? You know, you're standing on a stage with thousands of people, mm-hmm. right? Like, singing every word to your songs. Do you ever feel not awkward asking for a friend? Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny. One of my friends has this clothing line. It's called Awkward Human. And I love it because I, I do feel that way. And I've what I've learned... This, I embrace that feeling. Like I like. There's something about. Um, I used to think it was. You know, I, I'm not saying any, I'm like socially. I'm awkward. I've always been socially awkward. Um, I can fake it pretty well because Agreed. you learn these yes. patterns of ways to get through it. Oh, if I just do this, and you would never think it. Probably for both of us, because you, yes. you're you you interact with enough people, you figure out a way to to do it. But um, I, Deep in, in the, an emotional level, I am uncomfortable when I leave those situ- social interactions like that. Um, I, I'm exhausted mentally. Yes. And I know there's a good amount of people that are, but I, I, I've gotten better at it. And with age, I'm, I'm, I, I don't really care much about what people think, which takes a lot of pressure off because, it, you know, that awkward feeling, if you're worried about what everyone thinks, that it really magnifies that awkward and then uncomfortable mm-hmm. social interaction. So now I'm just, um, I, it's not that I don't care what people think. I, I'm just not so concerned. It doesn't, I don't need validation from others. I don't, um, I know the people that matter to me. And as long as they're, I have a good relationship with them. And so there's not like this, I don't care factor. It's just more like, uh, it just doesn't, it's not part of the equation as mm-hmm. far as what I feel about myself. Yeah. I anymore. feel like the older I get, the less <clears throat> I, you know what's I have to give. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. I was gonna say that, right? But... I, I was gonna say we had an F bomb on the last episode, so yeah. I, I'm a little worried about what's gonna happen with this nah. one. But but it is weird. It's like the older you get, the the less you care, and or 
you care about very different things. You care yeah. about being a good role model. You care about being a mentor. You care about that's a better way to put it, right? Sure. Like you, you just change what you care about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you're, I'm fast forwarding here, but you're, you know, in your twenties and you're in a band, and is it? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like you would like you would imagine. Yeah, it, like it what was. all of our parents warn us about. Yeah, well, so <laughs> I, I graduated. Everything they warned, I was like wanting to do all those things. But um, I graduated from high school early, so I could go on the road. So I was on Get tour. Out. I was seventeen years old. Whoa! Like playing in cover bands, and then we eventually turned into an all original band. And so I've been doing this my whole life. Um, and there, you know, going into it, I, I you know, my mom was alcoholic. So she, I, I rebelled by not drinking for mm. the first, I, I drank, my first drink was 16 years old, blackout drunk. I knew something different was, yeah, I didn't do like, I didn't drink like everyone else. Yeah. I knew that. So I stayed away from it for the most part. Uh, like, were you straight edge or you just no, didn't? No, I, I just didn't, I didn't want to be like it. my mom. So, but I knew when I did drink, I'm like, I feel, I love this. this yeah, feel, something this is lighting up in me. the brain. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, ooh, this is scary. So. Through my early 20s, it wasn't that my drinking was kind of like, ah, not really, I would go to these bouts. But every time I did, it was it was always bad. So there was always that. But yeah, when I, I didn't, until I got in Seven Dust, when the culture in that band was to drink a lot and to do all the things, uh, I fell right into that. And I was like going from one band I had been in for a long time into Seven Dust. I was nervous. I was in a new place. It was in Atlanta. I coped by just joining the party. Because those feelings of, am yeah. I good enough, inadequacy, all of, it, like, yeah. all of it, it just comes rushing back, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the alcohol and drugs with them, and the, it was a lot of fun. You know, you're, you're in this band. We, and then we get signed shortly after that, and then it's off. And then you're off in these different places, and it's the perfect breeding ground for alcohol abuse. Right. You know, if you have an issue in that world, um, it's going to be rough because all of that's, you're exposed to all of it. And, uh, so if you don't have a foundation or anything, so I, you know, the, but it was, it was a lot of fun those first few, few years, not a lot of consequences every now and then, which is in that environment, it's tougher because those are badges of honor, you know, being disruptive, being crazy, being, you know, you know, being abusive, not abusive, but you know, some people are, some people are verbally abused. So yeah. There's a lot of things that go on there that, oh, you're just rocking. It's rock and it's roll. Like it's like rock- the machismo, like yeah. the whole, like the thing. Yeah. yeah. And self-centeredness and all this, you know, give me pray. You know, it's a very uh, toxic environment for the most part, if you have issues in that world, like I did. Um, yeah. So it was all in that, that culture for many years, you know, a lot of great moments completely faded and no memory of these events in my life that I look back and like that was so people are like, what was this show like? I'm like, I could not tell you. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest uh, things that that alcoholism and drug addiction stole from me were, were I didn't steal from me. I allowed that to, to take these moments and these memories, but um, I don't, you know, I don't dwell on that anymore, mm-hmm. but it, it is one of those things that happened. I look back and I'm like, man, so many great opportunities just completely thrown away. But and that's what uh that's the pain and the gift of desperation that I needed, you know. And I I think I can say that you are a person who no longer uses substances, correct? Yeah. I haven't drank or did, did a drug uh sixteen years, October twenty fourth, sixteen years and Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um yeah. I am so thankful for those years. You know, I'm thankful for every day, you know, and it's all the cliches I used to hate. 
when I got, you know, <laughs> I used to hate yeah. all those things. Like, People are probably oh. listening going, yep, I know those cliches. Yeah, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, and they all were true, and, you know, and there's a reason they're there, and, they, you know, and I've heard of many different cliches from different, uh, different support groups, and they're all just kind of like leading you to the same place, and... You know, and I, I, I love that. I, all those things, I embrace those things today. But man, when they're early, my every cell in my body is like, this is the one. Yeah, you're like ah, cringing. When I they, hate it. Yeah, yeah. They're right. But and yeah. in these past 16 years, you've become a dad. Yeah. And a husband, right? Husband, yeah. And uh, and you're here in St. Louis. I mean, what yeah. a rock star place to be. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would end up in the Midwest. No kidding. At all. Yeah. I got, I got kind of lied to not lied to my my wife she brought me Did here you get this. duped? yeah i got duped yeah that's a way way less aggressive of a word <laughs> but i got duped and it was like i came here in the spring and fall which is it's great oh, it's here beautiful. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it was down in kirkwood it. Uh-huh. Oh, it's beautiful. oh fall in kirkwood yeah, lovely uh-huh right. nice charming houses and then it was like i moved here in like a january it was like the coldest day in <laughs> Missouri history. I'm like sliding in on my rider in my U-Haul, but yeah, that's amazing. So, a couple of questions related to: Do you identify as sober, or what word would you like me to use? Yeah, I'm uh, sober. Um, I, I I I started my journey in Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. Uh, I know it's I probably shouldn't break my anonymity there, but that that's my personal uh, journey. And I, I've there's been a lot of things that I've leaned on with fitness and. Uh, um, music, music. Oh man, you know, and to do music sober has been huge. I was just gonna ask that. Okay, yeah. so so how is that? And do you feel like your craft is better? Because I know we hear sometimes yeah. that musicians and artists say, "Oh, yeah. you know, I do my best work when I'm high or when I'm stoned or whatever." Yeah. We have a whole presentation that's like. That ain't true. Like it, it might feel true at the time. Well, but- I mean, I'm always the people like Jimi Hendrix. Would Jimi Hendrix have done the record or Alice in Chains? Well, well I will never know. But you'll never know what what Jimi Hendrix, complete sober Jimi Hendrix would have done. Right. All I know is for me, the you know, yeah, there were dark times that I I, I was going through that I would I would say I was writing, you know, and it was enhancing those 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 things were inspiration to the music, but there were also so many times where I was just so faded and so lost that I didn't write. I didn't do anything productive. So now the only difference is I'm at the, I'm at the writing table a lot more huh. and I'm focused and I, I have more of a methodical way of thinking about the process. I love the process. I don't care about really what is coming out. I just love sitting down, turning my computer on, my guitar, playing, writing, composing. Like I love that. And, uh, and that's the thing that I've come come to find that because of the I love the process, the product usually because there's so much more product, there's so much more time going into it. Whatever I lost in my dark inspiration from the alcohol and drugs, whatever I lost there, I gained in just being productive right. and being focused. And my chops are better. I sing better. And so you know, it kind of I, I could understand that there's there's doors that open when you're high and all these things but there's also a tremendous amount of doors that open when you're not when you're totally clear-minded and you have all this positive energy and so yeah i i don't know i would love to have hear to hear what Jimi hendrix record would sound like if he was totally sober right who knows stevie ray vaughn was a good example he was you know completely out of his mind for a while played great and then he was sober and he had this enormous kind of spike in his huh. 
his playing and so yeah, I mean there's 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 a little bit of data there like well yeah. before and after, but then there's a thing too where usually people get sober and they're older when they're older Correct. and so there, there's a there I believe there's a creative spark in in young musicians that happens from 18 to 26, 25. Hmm. And I think that that's where everyone's usually experimenting with drugs and, and so that there's that window that naturally a young heart uh is there that spirit is usually happening at the same time that you're because neurologically their brain is firing it's yeah it's they're they're trying to figure out who they want to be they're experiencing things they're at a point in uh, achieving freedom maybe not living with their parents or you know like exactly like and text becomes like you're sometimes you're actually at that point reading for fun or for like discovery not just yeah because you have to finish your term paper, you know? So yeah. it's it's really fascinating. There's energy levels that happen. You know, I've lost steps in some of that. I, I, I get a little more jaded. I have kids now. I want to play with them. And, you know, my my energy is, is pushed to different things now in my life. So, yeah, it's a it's a debate, but I really believe, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that I, I don't think it's, I don't think it was necessary yeah. for Kurt Cobain to have to sure. go through that to I write some of those agreed. songs. You know what I yes. mean? Okay, so let's talk about being a dad. So yeah. I'm wondering how that has influenced you creatively and also to what extent do you talk to your kiddos about your life experience? Oh, uh, I mean, I being a dad is absolutely, you know, another cliche. It's the best thing is I when I have my first child, my I have a son and a daughter, uh 12 and 10. Mm. So I started late. I was 30, 39 years old. I was really ready, ready on every level to have a child. Um, so I've embraced it hundred percent. It's really, it, touring is difficult for me because I am such a, be away from yeah, him. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I, I, my father was gone a lot. So there was a disconnect with him and I, um, so I'm really, really weary. I've, I've tapered back on the touring so I could be more of a present father, which is a huge, uh, priority to me. And, you know, it's the best thing ever. I love it. I talked to my son. My, my son has been, you know, I, I don't, I'm trying to do this without crying, but we'll drive around and he'll say, uh, I want to be sober, Dad. Oh. And I'm like, I said, you know, why? He's like, because he said, I just like, I see the other parents, you know, and I see some of the stuff and I'm just, I, you know, because I've told him some of the stories, mm. you know, and not to glamorize it, but sure. I'm like, Dad, it, he's why don't you drink, Dad? I'm like, well, here's why. And I'm open about it. And uh, he's um, just his, for him to say that, and I, I, and I had to ask questions like, why, why do you, what, what's your pro, what, what are you thinking when you say that? Like, what, what do you, and, he, and I'm like, and then you had mentioned before about there are a lot of people that can drink that have no problem, that have maybe a drink or two, and then they're, they're, they just, their body accepts it, their mind accepts it differently. So for a lot of people, you know, my, my wife drinks, you know, and, and I don't want my son to believe that that everyone that does is just demonic, right. you know, that this is something that people do and it's enjoyable and on a control level, it's, it's great. I said, but your father's different, you know, and I can't do that. And, uh, he, he was just, you know, he's such a driven young boy and my daughter hasn't gotten quite to those conversations, but she's very, very she her awareness is incredible so well, she's a obviously lot. she's a girl yeah I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. she's like yeah yeah she's definitely the superior being in that. 
Just kidding. But she's, uh, I believe that. My mom raised me. <laughs> but uh, she's like me. So she's the she's the one that I look at when, I, when she'll just be staring off and her mind's going a million mm-hmm. miles per hour. I'm like, oh, that's that. That's good and it's bad. Uh-huh. You know? So mm-hmm. she's got the, uh, the artist, tortured artist syndrome. But um, she's... You know, I, I talked to him openly about it because he asked a lot more questions. And um, I love talking to him about it and telling my experience. And he'll ask me, like, what's the crazy? You know, it's just a, it's a very open dialogue. And I believe he's at the age where he can start accepting that. And I think it's like you had mentioned, too, which I think is great, is that there is an importance for me to explain to him that alcohol and these you know certain things are not you know, this bad thing, it was more of a thing that was for me. And, you know, he was like, I just want to be sober. I I want to feel good. I want to do all these things that you talk about. And I said, you know, absolutely. I'll support you in anything you do, you know. Um, If he, if he takes a drink one day, I'm not going to be, I'm just not going to disown him. No, I'm going to have a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah, And and, um, of course I'm going to always be like, are you going to act or respond to it the way there is, it is in him and my daughter, you know, to have some of those mechanisms. Because it was in your mom. Absolutely. And And my grandfather, Mm -hmm. it's it's the, the typical uh, garden variety. But then they also can see their mom who has, you know, a different relationship with alcohol and, totally. and can use it in, you know, in times of celebration or whatever. Yeah. What I love that you're saying, and I I was hoping you would say this, you know, this is a little bit difficult to find on the internet, right? So I wasn't exactly sure if you were going to say that you talk to your kids about it. But what I love is that you do share with them your experience, not the nitty gritty, because of course they don't need all of that, yeah. but to say like, this is why I don't do this. Here is what can happen. Here is why I'm urging you to be safe. Because that's something else we hear is that when kids have a parent who has a substance use disorder, they think that it's like a death sentence, right? That it's automatically going to happen to them. And that's not, not true, sure. right? That's not true. Yeah. But to talk about it and to show that our adults can be fallible. I mean, I don't know about you, but that was not really a conversation I had when growing up is like that my parents had challenges and here's no, how they navigate them and here's how they cope and you know therapy and things that was not something that was absolutely discussed which not. I think our generation is really trying to do things a little bit differently yeah. right so that your son can say like I want to be sober just like you and whether that turns out to be the case or not like the fact that he can have those conversations yeah and that you're open to those is pretty incredible and is something that um you know we try to teach we, we try to encourage parents to do well that's uh, and i'm trying my best there, there i've aren't I've, we all i've questioned like <laughs> What's too much? Yep. What should I say now? Do am I going to imprint one of these little seeds that are going to grow into something bad later? Because, <clears throat> excuse me, you're worried about that. As a parent, you know, you want to do the right thing. You want to say the right thing. And I know I've had plenty of things that were abusive and and too much and volatile that happened to me that they're ne- they're not even in it. It's their childhood looks nothing like mine. Totally different. So that are, that already is setting them up for a better situation. My mom and dad loved me. It was just, it was just like you said, there was a different culture. Was, you did not speak of these things. And especially when your parent is actually having an issue with it themselves, there's a com- tremendous amount of denial. A denial was a very attractive thing for me because I saw my mom 
you know, pretty much activate that her whole life, you know. And I would tell her, please stop, mom, stop, you know, and there was all these different things. And so, yeah, I mean, their childhood looks different, and I'm thankful for that every single day, you know. And I do my best, and I think that's what any of us, we're all just trying to figure it out, you know. There's many days I fall short and have my, my triggers and my things and my childhood shows up in me. You know, today I feel very spiritual. Today I feel great. I'll yeah. go home. It'll be a fantastic day. Tomorrow might, might look a lot different. One of my <clears throat> ex-boyfriends, one of them who's a big fan of yours, by the way, <laughs> he is a dad. And yeah. he he's a very good dad. And at the end of the day, he would sometimes reflect, right, on whether or not he had done enough yeah. as a parent. And he would say, did I do enough for her? And was I there enough? And I think I was on my phone too much. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe I, you know, was short with her. And he would say, like, I, I think I'm, I, I don't think I'm doing a good job. Yeah. And my answer to him was always, and would still be to this day, the fact that you're reflecting on it and you're wondering how you can be better. Yeah. Is the sign of being a good parent, 100%. whatever the hell that means, right? But it's yeah. like you want to do better, and mm-hmm. you're thinking about how can I be better tomorrow than I am today. Like that's the sign of a stand-up parent. Yeah. If I if my father or my mother would have sat sat me down, you know, I'm I'm really trying, and yeah. a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit uh, of accountability, I, you know, that would have gone a long way. I apologize to my kids on a regular. I'm like, word, I shouldn't have done that. You know, I want them to see me apologize. I want them to see me. I'm not going to be this prideful. You know, part of me doesn't want to do the apology. Part of me is like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to. You're like, I'm the dad. I'm, and I've had had moments where I'll do something wrong, (laughs) and I'm like, I know it's wrong, but I'm standing by it. You know, it's it's ridiculous, the ego and all the stuff that kicks in, but um. You know, they, they know I apologize, and I want them to see that. And I see them apologize mm-hmm. when they do something. You're wrong. modeling it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's the only thing. And I see the deep. I see the things I do wrong show up in them too, and that's the scariest. Oh, thing. isn't like, that oh, so my, scary? I just right? taught my child like, how to be Whoa. self-centered. I just taught my child how. I think to, there's a lot of country songs about that, right? Yeah. Like, like I just taught them how to do oh, this, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I wish I didn't. I'm gonna go like, on and write a song. Right? About exactly. Writing. Exactly. Yeah. Make a new metal song out of yeah, that. What, exactly. what the hell is new metal, by the way? Oh yeah. So what I, is it? it? I don't it's even. Something that happened like when when we were coming up. Corn, a few of these bands came in and they're they were branded new metal because it was like this heavy music that was not exactly like the older metal riffing. Okay. So they put this attached this name to it. It was attached to every band that we came out. We gotta have a name for everything, in right? That era, yeah. So if when when it that was out, we did we we didn't really pay that much attention to it. We're lobbed into that and that's fine. That is what it is. Um there's like a resurgence now, so everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're oh, new metal. Right. You're we're like, yeah, metal. sure. Like, yeah, you, for, yeah. You said you weren't. No, but so I, it, it's it's ridiculous. People love the, the categories, but if that's how people process it and that's what they want to do, so they have their little groups of the genre they love, that's fine. Yeah. You know? It doesn't bother me, but it is ridiculous. So we were talking about role. Sorry for that digression, but no, last no, night I was like, "What up. is new metal? I've yeah. not even heard of this." But I mean, I like non. Like I can see like all the groups, like non. Like I can Death see core, them. Metal core, exactly. But I'm like new metal. I've never heard that. Anyway, speaking of role modeling, so one question that I just 
really have wanted to ask is, you know, I think that when I was growing up, probably when you were growing up, there were not a lot of celebrities, musicians, you know, talking about being sober. Yeah. Right. And I've had conversations about what has changed. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not to the level that I would like it to be or that I think it should it it could be because I think that if everybody who was actually not getting wasted all the time talked about how they're not getting wasted all the time like the world would be a totally different place yeah but most of us don't talk about it you know I'm not like guess what I did last night I had one glass of wine and then I stopped drinking no people yeah. will say like oh yeah I had a, had a lot to drink last night yeah, and then I, you know totally passed the... out on the couch and whatever I mean you don't talk about moderate drinking and you don't talk about not drinking or yeah. not using so growing up you know there weren't a ton of musicians that were open about their sobriety there was straight edge you know and there yeah, still yeah. is but there was that but there wasn't and and there really weren't unless you were watching a behind the music there really weren't a lot of people talking about the fact that they maybe had a substance use disorder and were in recovery i think that it is changing and it's not just talking about addiction but also there are more celebrities and musicians in particular talking about mental health of course so i'm wondering why you think that is and what you feel like your role is in that oh that's 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 heavy so it is heavy and i'm sorry for like no, the hard it, pivot from no, new metal to this but i i <laughs> but this is the crux of why it's like such a big deal that you're on here yeah right because you're open about it you're talking not just about your recovery, but about trauma and about family dynamics and about what you hope to do with your kids. I mean, yeah. pardon my French, that's pretty fucking rock and roll, but that's not what you normally think of as yeah. rock and roll, you know? That's funny you say that because I, I always say the new rock and roll and rebellious is to not do those things, you know, like the, the anti, um, you know, I think social media, there, there's been these really incredible uh, ways to communicate with each other and obviously a platform. So that's great and it's bad at the same time. The positive, I think, with, with the social media platform is people do have more opportunities to kind of express different sides of life and ways to live life. So a lot of people, there are trends that happen, things that are cool to talk about, things that everyone's really excited to talk about. Every now and then you have this wave of positivity and depending on the algorithm that you're being exposed to, like a lot of the stuff that I do, it's it's a lot of fitness stuff. It's a lot of the positive things, the inspirational quotes, all the stuff that, that gets fed to me because that's what I seek out, you know? So I think that there's a lot of people, when a lot of bands, especially now, are starting to talk about the mental health and there are there is an, there is a trendy aspect to that. But it's something that that I'm just happy for. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a positive trend. Now there's a little bit more exposure to the educational side of what happens or this other version of life. So you got this musician that you look up to and they're they're living this great life and they're doing this great music and you also find out that they're not really partaking in the alcohol mm-hmm. and and or they they got sober and now they're trying to do this different thing. You, you see that and obviously it's like, well, oh, they can they can do that. I want to do that. And uh, so there's that platform social media has to expose that. And I think that that's, that's helping. 
a lot of these musicians, the the mental health thing is is powerful because there's so many after so many times, so many times, eventually they're like, we have to talk about this. Especially when they're losing people in their band or it's a lot close to their friends, their close friends. I mean, it is it is an industry. The entertainment industry has been hit very yeah. hard by substance use and suicide. Yeah, you I know? mean, the suicide is a whole other subject in all walks of life. No, yes. obviously not just the musicians, but. You know, and it's you know it happens to musicians a lot of time. A lot of people, when someone passes that that is a celebrity status, there's this whole wave, and there's so many people that aren't that are on the street that are different, just normal, you yeah, know, everyday people. That's happening on a consistent basis on on brutal levels all the time. When a celebrity, when that happens to them, it's more like okay, you know, let's pay attention to this, and uh, you know. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Again, any any kind of education that comes out of some kind of trauma is, is a good thing. Like maybe some of the pain and some of the you know the loss can spark some uh, some kind of a, just an outreach, so m- more people can the people that are on the edge and get ready to go there themselves. And I'll maybe take a step back, and I, I'm all for just like getting it out there. That there are there are solutions and there's there's ways to communicate with each other, whether people do or not. You know, it's all it's up to the individual at the end of the day. But it's it the more that that's out there, I I, I make it very known that I'm sober. I, I don't. I was going to um, ask. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I don't try to name any sure. particular organization, but I do. I put a do a gratitude list every day. I share it on my little Insta story and. It's just five things that I'm grateful for every day. And I've been doing that for years, ever since I've stopped drinking. It was one of the things I do. And it's, you know, now people look, look at it and they read it and they'll they'll write to me directly and they'll they'll talk about it. And every now and then there'll be a person struggling with this. And they said, I noticed you mentioned sobriety and this and that. And how's that going? And so I'll have open conversations about it. It takes a few minutes just to communicate with somebody. Just say, oh, I've, I've been through it. Here's what I did. And. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can find your own way. But I love those conversations. You know, it doesn't take any energy out of my life. All it does is feed. I was going to say, it probably feeds you. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear someone in the desperation they have, and I'm like, man, I've been there. I know what that feels like. And I don't have to do that today. And, you know, so I love the service part of it the most. And fitness is another thing. You've mentioned that a couple of times. So music and fitness. That has really kind of kept you grounded. I, the fitness is—I credit that as much as any other spiritual program. I, I keep my body right and my mind. What comes with that? And there's so much data now. Yes, that, there that is. Goes along, which another thing, social media floods my thing with this. You know, the science behind what actually being physical and active does to your mental health, and I—it has been a huge thing in my just my demeanor, the way I am with people. I don't, the vanity part or whatever, I, I'm not chasing that. When I was younger and kind of self-absorbed, I, I, I that was something. I'm, I want to look great. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just, I, I go and do it. I, I'm getting old. I'm 52 years old in December and I just like moving. It makes me yeah. feel better. And you get that dopamine surge, do- that yeah. natural dopamine yeah. surge. Like that's, that we've had a lot of people that talk to us about, you know, what, what they like what's their thing after yeah drugs right so whether it's fitness or whether it's you know what what is the thing and fitness seems to be um 
um, how do I say this? Like a like a group into itself. Like if yeah. you find fitness during recovery, like you are like in it and not in like a weird way you know not to the exclusion of anything else but it is the thing that keeps your body and your mind moving yeah i fell right into it i mean immediately and i was always like going on runs and sweating out alcohol (laughs) i was like in between worlds you know uh but I, I fell right into it, and th- then there were people like, "Oh, you're you're w- too much into it." I did the whole CrossFit thing for a while, where I was like obsessed about that. Yeah, yeah. And I've done all these different things s- throughout my sobriety, but um, what the ultimate thing is, I I do I know that the, I'm obsessed with it. It it makes me feel good, but that is one kind of obsession and addiction that I'm happy to have today. Right, exactly. Um, I, there have been times where it overrode some of the prior other priorities so i had to check that too i've been working out two or three times a day my kids out there yeah I mean, I, it's dial it back you know because i was i was feeding on it too much because i am my mind works that way i'm yes. very alcoholic very drug addicted mentality so i find things you're i in. like you're all in yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. dark chocolate i'm all oh, in. you're all in all of it but i i do the ice plunges and i do all those things like to that degree um but then i i the older I've gotten is I need to I need to dial those things back. I don't need to be too much into anything. I need to balance my life. And there's days that are not balanced, but, you know, I, that's what I'm working toward anyway. Can I do a couple of rapid fire questions before we Oh, man, finish? I have a slow, I have like very limited bandwidth, so it might not be super rapid. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. So no, I know on the way here, you were listening to a podcast. Yeah. Okay. So what um, is like, what kind of music are you into right now? R&B. R&B. Yeah, okay. I like, love, are we talking like Leon Bridges or more like old her, school? Old school. Ooh. Like her is one of my favorite artists. She's just, She's I, I just. Fabulous. She is unreal. She's very talented. And I, I fell in love with that, her a long time ago. Like when, so I went through the pandemic and fell like all the way in. I love R&B. I, I've always loved the production of it. So that's what I'm digging on these okay. days. Okay. All right. I am. Um, Sorry for the digression, but I have also been into R and B, but more like old school blues lately, and really gotten into Kingfish. Are you familiar with him? That sounds rough, man. So he's like this young guy out of Clarksdale, Mississippi, who is like following in the footsteps of Buddy Guy and everything. In I think I know who you're talking about. And they just profiled him on 60 Minutes like two weeks ago. Is he got like he's just an old soul voice? And he's like a bigger guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets yeah. down in the crowd. And I know what you're talking he's about. Killer. He's okay, killer. I'm gonna go listen to him. He, he's he's really killer. And now you've inspired me to listen to some her because she's amazing. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what is your favorite song of yours to play? Mm. And 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 that's any like what do you just love to play? Um. Probably. And why? Hmm. Probably Angel Son because, uh, you know what? I'll take that back. There's a song Xmas Day that we do and that, that I sing a little bit on. It's it was based around my mom this this really dysfunctional Christmas we had. Uh, playing that song always brings gets me heightened emotionally. Um, yeah, that that song for some reason it's always been, but X-mas it's Xmas Day. Day. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, I'm gonna. I don't know that one, so I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Uh, acoustic. You're y'all pretty good at acoustic. Yeah, we love it. So, uh, acoustic. Uh, what's your favorite acoustic song to play, 
or or is that Xmas Day also? Yeah, that's actually well. Xmas Day is yeah, it's there's a little bit of is there okay yeah yeah okay it it's, it translates well to that okay yeah very okay. melodic. Uh, did you feel really weird covering Johnny Cash? I well, you know, it's funny because it's it's like, <laughs> like it was the day, and that was a fluke because we did it was the day Johnny Cash died. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's a great Johnny Cash." It was it was our interpretation of Johnny Cash's cover of Nine Inch Nails. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it was like Johnny. It was it's kind, it was like Trent kind Reznor's of like a, my guy. Yeah. I loved Nine Inch Nails so much, but then. He died that day. We had an acoustic show in uh, Athens, Georgia that night, and my singer didn't know the song, and I'm like, I want to do the song just to pay tribute. Do you want to learn it? He's like, oh, you just sing it. So it was a fluke that I even sang it. So, But that, that became fluke. like a really uh-huh. cool thing, um, you know, and a tribute to Johnny Cash, which is, you know, a lot of people love that guy, exactly. and I do too. Uh, what are you singing in the car when you pick up your kid's school oh, man like is it like t swift all the time or are you one of those it's, households that it's not taylor swift what, what they, is it no they there's not they're not swifties my daughter's not she listens well she 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 loves it she she's more into like uh what has she been listening to lately she listens to um gosh it was just on the tip of my tongue my son listens to like mumble rap and all that stuff oh okay 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 but yeah but she my, my daughter she like she was we were singing britney spears in the car last night she was in a piano lesson i picked her up and she was singing and what was funny is she was doing britney spears oops i did it again but then we turned it into hit me baby one more time so she's finding all these old she loves cool. she like all these old uh you know pop stars and stuff that my my wife loved she introduces like you'll love this song so she plays all these old older pop stars but she loves taylor swift obviously you know obviously it's just great yeah absorbed great by the youth right you know? right and so that was actually gonna be my last question if your kiddos play instruments so your daughter plays piano yeah she plays piano she's into it i got a new keyboard she's her mind's blown like because this really mm. crazy cin- uh, cinematic sounds and she'll sit there and just kind of hit them and she's like every note i i can't hit a wrong note and because it, it just sounds so good so she she's into that i don't know if, if i don't know if she'll chase that or not but yeah, my son's a sports, sports. fanatic. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. fitness, kind of yeah. like you. Yeah, yeah, he's he's doing that. I, I never played organized sports, so I'm like enjoying watching him. <laughs> You're like, wow. Yeah, I that do. Is I, impressive. I, go, I play with him and stuff, but I never. Yeah, he knows I don't. I really understand every rule and regulation. <laughs> but uh, but he he'll correct me all the time on that. But yeah. Well, thank you so very much. I mean, this has truly been an honor, and um, hi. A, a highlight for us here at the at the podcast thank um, you again for having me i appreciate it if you liked what you heard please consider rating reviewing and subscribing to the preventable follow you on instagram yeah just clint lowry official uh seven dust official uh on instagram and social media seven dust uh, you know on facebook and me on facebook you know clint lowry facebook and yeah. buy some music yeah. Support your artists. Yeah, Buy some yeah, music. Absolutely. Yes. Buy some cotton and, and tunes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you again. Really My appreciate pleasure. it. Absolutely. I had a great time. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.